0: The following is a special presentation of KMOX.
1: St. Louis is mourning the death tonight of veteran KMOX broadcaster Bob Hardy. Hardy died around 1 o'clock this afternoon of an apparent heart attack at his home in Marine, Illinois. It
2: was the announcement that a KMOX legend had passed, April 18, 1993. Bob Hardy celebrated his 33rd year with the station, just the day before, his daughter, Sandy Hardy Chin.
3: I can't imagine him being any place other than KMOX, but there are not a whole lot of radio stations like KMOX. So, you know, it, it was, it's like two two peas in a pod. I, I just, Bob Hardy and KMOX were like, it would be like Bob Hyland in KMOX, you know. He was
1: born in Dubois, Pennsylvania, and came to the St. Louis area while serving in the Air Force. When he completed his tour of duty at Scott Air Force Base near Belleville, Bob began his commercial broadcasting career in St. Louis. In the first three years, he worked with some of St. Louis's best-known radio personalities, including Jack Carney, Bob Osborne, Dick Clayton, Gary Owens, to mention just a few. Of course, Bob went on to become one of the city's all-time great broadcasters after he joined KMOX in 1960.
2: Bob Hardy was born May of 1930 in Pennsylvania. He spent his summers in upstate New York, took flying lessons after he turned 15, joined the Air Force in 48, after basic training was assigned to Scott Air Force Base in Belleville, Illinois, as part of the Air Force's radio school. That is where he met his future wife and the love of his life, Rita.
3: I was actually born at Scott Air Force Base. Uh, My mom and dad met in the Air Force, and they were both stationed at Scott. Then my mom got shipped out to Norton Air Force Base in San Bernardino, California. And by the time she got shipped out and got to California, she realized she was pregnant with me at that time in the Air Force, you couldn't be pregnant. And so... She was discharged and came back to Belleville. Rest, I guess, is history because I was born at Scott's because Dad was still in the Air Force at that time.
2: Among other things, he pursued music, and KMOX wasn't his first stop on the St. Louis radio dial.
3: He, When he got out of the Air Force, he was, he was at Scott at that time because we came back from the Philippines back to Scott Air Force Base. He got a part-time job at WIBV in Belleville, and um, when he got out of the Air Force, was he went to wil that was when they had action central news and the idea he, he and jack carney were actually at wil together
4: that's by vera lynn this morning from her new album for london called if i'm dreaming
5: Bob Hardy's early days in St. Louis radio in the late 1950s, before he joined KMOX, included work as a disc jockey.
4: We hope you're enjoying it. We'd like to hear from you once in a while. Let us know uh, what your preference is. Well, let's see now. We've got more music for you up and coming. This would be the warmth and the
2: tenderness of Mr. Nat King Cole. That's KMOX's Charlie Brennan. Bob took the news director job with WIL in July of 1957, one of only six radio stations in St. Louis at the time.
3: They had Action Central News, and the idea was that Dad was supposed to read the news as fast as he possibly could. And one of the stories I do remember is Jack Carney lit the bottom of the page of the uh, news uh, with a match, and the idea was to see how, how far down into the news Dad could get to before the, the fire, you know, before the match burned up the news. It, it was just kind of a joke-type thing. They had a lot of fun together. I do remember
6: that.
2: KMOX producer Chris Myhill.
6: Well, you can't do it now. I mean, who uses paper? Everything's in a, on a screen.
2: But something else in St. Louis was about to take the radio industry by storm. As described by Talkers Magazine publisher Michael Harrison and former KMOX general manager Tom Langmeier. Well, not only
4: does KMOX have a tremendous heritage in all of radio history, going back almost 100 years now and, and and being such an important radio station and such a model radio station on so many levels, but in the talk arena, especially nowadays with talk radio being so important, KMOX is one of the, if not the most important talk station historically of all the stations. It is arguably the
7: first station to do full-time talk.
8: KMOX launching at your service was was put on at a time where radio stations were really in a, in a quandary as to what do they do because really around 1960, but prior to 1960, a lot of the uh, radio shows and that were developed in the 40s and 50s, you know, they were ending because they had moved to television, right? So what were radio stations going to do? And were they going to just uh, be a jukebox or disc jockeys? Well, uh, Robert Highland had a vision that he would, um, you know, create an at-your-service format, which was exactly what it meant. I mean, it was serving the community with talk news and information and there was music and entertainment and all kinds of things in there but it wasn't a jukebox it was a very very well thought out well-oiled machine
2: hardy would get the call to join kmox in april of 1960 just months after the launch of at your service and
3: then the way he got to kmox is he my dad loved music he was a musician as a hobby a wonderful piano player had had bands while he was in the air force but he hated rock and roll, which at the time, that's what W.I.L. played, uh, was all the rock and roll stuff. And this was like in the late, very late 50s. And in 1960, he was approached by Bob Highland to come to KMOX radio. And um, so he started at KMOX, I think in April of 1960.
2: In that move, along with many others, Shaped the landscape of the radio industry forever. I'm your host, Ryan Recker, and today we explore the life and legacy of KMOX newsman Bob Hardy.
9: Okay, Japan is now going into commercial time.
2: All
10: right, and we'll do the
9: same. Be going to commercials over there?
4: Yeah, we're going to catch some commercials and be back with you in about uh, two and a half, three minutes. All right? Okay. All right.
0: This is a KMOX Radio special presentation.
2: Bob Hardy for 33 years was one of the voices that made KMOX Radio so special.
4: I'm Bob Hardy, here with you on KMOX Radio. Bob Hardy was more than a voice
2: on the radio. He was your friend, and he held you in great respect. He had respect for you and for your intelligence. He sat with you in your kitchen, and he updated you while you got ready for another day. He probably rode to work with you as well. He was here before you were up, getting ready to keep you informed of what the day was holding. The voice of another KMOX legend, Ann Keefe. On this KMOX radio special of Bob Hardy, I'm your host, Ryan Recker.
11: Bob was a a very intense guy. Everybody there was pretty much intense. Uh, he was like the the number one anchor, and he would read. He would go off in his little—he uh, didn't really have an office. It was kind of a cubbyhole we built for him, but uh, he would go there and read, talk to people, plan interviews, do things. Uh, he was just first class. He was uh, king of the crop.
2: That's veteran newsman Bob Hamilton. There wasn't an interview Hardy would shy away from as described by Charlie Brennan. KMOX was further complimented by his skillful interviews on topical and sometimes
5: controversial subjects. In 1960, among Bob Hardy's first guests on the pioneering at-your-service radio program, a prostitute with a drug addiction. What
4: drug are you now using?
12: Uh, say from 40
4: to $75 a day. Where do you get that kind of money?
12: I'm uh, a prostitute.
4: How much do you make on a day's average?
12: Well, about that a day, 75, something like that, 50.
4: Medicine,
5: religion, industry, the law, international events. No area of human interest was hidden from Bob Hardy's microphone.
2: Politicians, parents, world leaders, commentators, reporters, presidents, or pothole fillers. With his customary signature professionalism, courtesy, and skill. It was Bob Hardy reporting. He was there when then-Democratic presidential candidate George McGovern called Missouri Senator Thomas Eagleton in his hotel room in 1972. Hardy then broke the news on Jack Carney's program. Bob?
10: Yes, Jack? We were back on the air. I didn't didn't realize you had come back to us. Go ahead, please. All right, here's the story, just the way we got it in the senator's room, as he picked up a phone call that he'd been waiting for for five hours. Here's the way it went. I'm flabbergasted,
13: George. Are you kidding me? I, uh, before you change your mind, I hastily accept. Oh, my <laughs> God, George, well, I'm as pleased as I could be. I'm honored, I'm flattered, and, uh, we'll do whatever I can. I hope I don't let you down. Oh, but, Frank, on thank you. god bless you god bless everybody and i i feel that you had something to do with this and thank you very much all right we'll I have to start working on speeches right okay just a minute let it's got my uh sketch let me put him on will you so he can read all these birds yeah i'll stay here Like yeah, my what's my your well, I'm flabbergasted. Sure I, 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 well, I can't believe it. As you know, we've had a uh, long vigil here today. And uh, Well, let's go out in the fort. uh Bob, you know we've had a long vigil here today in room 605 at the Ivanhoe, and you've been one of the uh, watchers of what's going on. And uh, I thought once it got to about 2 o'clock that... Uh, my star had waned, and that uh, someone else had uh, gotten the call. But uh, we stayed here, just hoping to get some information. And my God, just three minutes ago, George McGovern called, and he said, "Tom, I've got a favor to ask of you." And I said, "What's that?" He said, "I want you to be my running mate." And I think I said something like, "I hastily accept before he could uh, retract it and withdraw it." I'm, I'm honored. I'm pleased. I'm ecstatically
14: happy. Do you remember that occasion?
13: Uh, well, I remember the occasion you know, from what it meant in my life, but I also remem- remember the occasion specifically because Bob Hardy was there. I remember it very vividly. In fact, he, I think he'd been there most of the day. He sort of camped out there for at least a considerable period of time because if a, a call were to come, he wanted to be there when it was and he didn't want to be caught somewhere else. It looks like it's Wonderful, Bob, and thank you for being one of the patient guys, uh, for being around with us, because not only do I respect your profession and your station KMOX radio but you are a
2: good personal friend congratulations best wishes thank good you good luck senator good luck and it wasn't just politics occasionally bob hardy would cover a rock concert can you dig it do you understand what they're talking
4: about if your generation rests somewhere on the graying side of the communications gap then take a few minutes to listen to these young people tonight. It may narrow the gap between you and youth. Everybody's
5: Bob attended a rock concert at Keele Auditorium in 1970, complete with bell-bottoms to report on the youth of that era.
12: So I think people will really enjoy it. That's why they come to rock concerts.
4: Jerry was dressed in jeans and a polo shirt. All around us swirled leather-fringed arms, paisley tie-dyed legs, purple satins and Indian silks. But Jerry thought the way everybody was dressed was just fine for them.
12: Maybe these kids like to wear that, you know? Maybe it's their way of uh, identity.
3: The whole idea of what journalism was at the time and would be nice if it still was today, the idea that these are the facts and we're going to present them to you, our listener, let you make your own decision rather than I'm going to feed you what what I want you to believe that that was always one of dad's big things is, you know, let me just give you the facts and you you make your own decisions as to what's going on in the world. Um, I think he and Mr. Highland have that in common.
2: His daughter, Sandy, explains.
3: I think Mr. Highland, he shaped a city, but he also shaped the whole industry because Talk radio actually did start at KMOX. Um, we wouldn't have all the, the talk shows on TV and radio and every place else today if it wasn't for KMOX radio. And who started that? Mr. Hyland started it. He had a group of people working for him that went along with his idea, whether they agreed with it at the beginning or not. I, I don't know. But I mean, it worked. Would it work today? if it was just starting today i i really don't know but the people that that mr highland hired at that time they were just they were incredible and they all meshed
4: one day feeling my oats on the morning show i read the weather forecast and i said the temperature is a perfect 36 and the phone rang, and he said, knock it off. That's not KMOX.
5: Bob and the late Robert Highland worked together for 32 years to make KMOX a broadcast giant. Highland and Hardy explained the station's philosophy during their 17th anniversary at your service in a 1977 program.
4: i have spent the whole key with at your service uh, from the very beginning. You sort of take a look at what needs to be done, and you do it. Is there any topic, is there any subject that doesn't have a place for an at-your-service discussion?
10: I don't think so, Bob. I think some of our listeners at times have have questioned why we had this particular group on or why did we treat that subject. Every facet and every phase of American life today and uh, uh, the problems of our nation, the joys, the sorrows, the ups, the downs, the, the various things that are happening and how are they going to know... They might think they know something about a particular subject. Maybe they're very uh, opposed to this particular subject. But how are they going to know about that subject unless we try to put it on the air for them and dissect it, and then they can maybe make a more proper judgment as to what that subject is all about, whether they're right in their thinking, whether they want to change their mind about something. And after working with him and listening to him, I thought,
15: man... If I'm ever a broadcaster, I want to sound like that Mm -hmm. because nobody ever loved the business Mm -mm. more than Bob. Bob would say on the air 5,000 hours in a row (laughs) if he had to. That's how much he loved it. His delivery was, uh, you know, just one in
14: a million. And his understanding of his audience was, you know, unlike anything else.
2: That's Bill Wilkerson and Wendy Weiss. We'll include some of their moments later in this special as we look back at the life and legacy of KMOX newsman Bob Hardy.
0: This is a KMOX radio special
2: presentation. Bob Hardy shaped the spirit and idea of KMOX News, as Jim Butler pointed out in the book *At Your Service*. Hardy understood the values of objectivity in radio. I'm your host Ryan Recker. Former producer Kate Bacon explains how Hardy would set up his show.
16: At the top of the hour, we, you know, we'd we'd have news and then followed by a break and then sports and then throw into the pre-show tease and then into a you know a break and then into the show. And then we throw into another break so that the people could call in Mm. and I would be sitting there and I had 20 phone lines, which back then was like amazing. Wow. 20 phone lines. And I would answer each one and say, KMOX, what would you like to say? And then I would type in, I would make them. And if they didn't, they didn't get on the air, but I would make them tell me the basics of what they wanted to talk about. And then I would type it on this cutting edge, here the air quotes, computer. And then Bob, on the other side of the glass, could see what each line would be. And then I would suggest that he go to line this or line that. Um, and so that's how we kind of put the show together.
2: Hardy would later mention that most talk radio hosts would work their way down a list of questions, but they wouldn't pay attention to the answers. When there was breaking news, he was the voice you turned to. As former KMOX manager Tom Lingmeyer explains,
8: Bob was uh, just a tremendous, uh, a tremendous guy, and and Bob, by the way, um, just a great broadcaster. You know, and a lot of times you can sort of downplay a broadcaster by saying, "Well, they have a nice voice." Bob had a wonderful voice, <laughs> but he was also a great and smart man and he was a patriot and he was someone who, you know, was the trusted voice if things had gone wrong in in the country and, and someone you could count on. He
16: loved, when I say breaking news, I don't mean breaking news in the sense of, hi, I'm here looking and telling you, but breaking news in the sense of this is going on and we're talking to this person about it. He loved that. He was
6: so old school that when he broadcast, he would still put his hand up against his ear, cup his ear, and read the news that way. And I think there was only one other person, was Jack Buck would do that, and it was Bob Hardy. They both did that. When they read the news, they put the hand over the ear and then start reading the news. It was very old school. It was classic.
2: KMOX producer Chris Myhill.
6: But I think the overwhelming thing that drove him was his love for the radio and love for the station and loved reading the news.
16: Bob wanted the people we're interviewing and and talking to and then the callers to be the important part of his show. He didn't grandstand. He was really a very upstanding guy with a lot of integrity.
2: One example was June 6th, 1968, the day after Robert Kennedy was shot.
4: And we are back now with KMOX Radio in St. Louis, and there an indication of the kind of flexibility that uh, we had hoped to be able to maintain throughout the last, oh, roughly 25, 30 hours, perhaps better than that, almost 40 hours. The idea that uh, we feel we may be called upon at any moment to switch back to CBS News for instant reports. Yet to be determined, the results of the autopsy. That may yet be forthcoming in this hour or in the next hour. And in addition, some kind of further information on the suspect Siran Siran. So these still providing possible cutaways for us here as we continue with the KMOX at-your-service open line. Mission 78900 is the number. Some of our listeners have been remaining on the
2: line, and we'll get to another call in just a moment. As they continued coverage on KMOX, the RFK assassination led to a number of theories. Allan, go ahead. You're on the air.
10: Yes, Bob.
12: Very interesting uh, program, and I'm grateful to cam KWIK for bringing this service. But Thank you. Uh, in view of the fact that two important people in one family have been the victims of communist assassins, and the fact that uh, there's 10,000 murders uh, last year, and uh, not all by guns, but uh by knives and what have you. In fact, there was a million switchblade knives sold last year. Now, <clears throat> Bob, by my opinion, I think all government employees should be screened for possible communist influences. And uh, certainly, uh, we have laws on the books now, so far as guns are concerned, so I don't see any additional legislation would be necessary but I think the Communist Party as such should be outlawed in this country. Thank you very
4: much. All right, sir. Thank you very much. The only thing we'd quarrel with the gentleman was his flat-out statement that uh, two members of the same family were killed by communist assassins. Uh, That's a very strong statement, and uh, up to now has been unproven in both the case of the late President Kennedy and certainly in the case of uh, the... uh, Assassin or the attempted assassination of Senator Robert Kennedy. As to whether or not the Communist Party ought to be outlawed in the United States, it is a comment that has been made with uh, some frequency in the last oh four years or so, and uh, even greater frequency in, in the last
2: Sandy's of book. Months. At your service, KMOX and Bob Hardy, pioneers of talk radio. Then senior White House correspondent for Newsweek, Tom DeFrank said, "Bob was Mr. KMOX." He personified to me professionalism and integrity. I can never remember a situation where he didn't give every listener, every caller, every guest an opportunity to have his or her say.
16: I never saw him flustered the whole time I knew him. Not that, you know, that would be an important aspect, but he was always very together.
7: I first sat in a studio with him between twelve thirty and one in the afternoon watching him take calls. And I came from Boston where there was a lot of giving back between Jerry Williams and Gene Burns and the, uh, and the callers to the radio shows. And someone could have called Bob Hardy and said, you know, I think Genghis Khan was really a good guy. And Hardy wouldn't argue with them. He'd say, you know, I was wondering when someone would call up with that. And then he'd go to the next call.
3: I think Dad was highly respected by everybody politicians especially because they knew that he was going to be fair with them uh, you know in his reporting and he wasn't gonna take sound bites that that made them look like idiots or you know went against what they really believed in everything so he would do a week in washington and interview all these people from missouri and the st louis and southern illinois area uh, you know senators and congressmen and everything and Everybody was always, sure, I'll sit down and talk to you, Bob. You know, not a problem, because they all knew that he was going to be fair with them. In
5: 1964, Bob interviewed U.S. Senator Stuart Symington in Atlantic
4: City for the Democratic Convention. Senator Symington, have conventions, in your opinion, outlived their usefulness? Are they really an integral part of the political scene?
10: I should think they are.
5: Yes, indeed. In 1967, Bob Hardy with former mayor
4: Ray Tucker. And we say hello to Raymond R. Tucker. Good to have you with us, sir. Nice to be here, Bob. Mr. Tucker, what was it back in, oh, 10, 15 years or so ago, what was it that suddenly created an awareness? In 1969,
5: with Dr. Christian Barnard.
4: You're a rather famous gentleman. You have sort of broken the mold and have been able to accomplish a few things that uh, heretofore were not
10: accomplishable in the whole medical field. You consider this the end or just the beginning?
9: No, I, I think it's just the beginning. There's still many problems that uh, we have to solve before we can really uh, say that. And
11: now back to
15: our studios and KMOX News Director Bob Hardy.
4: All right, Jim, thank you very much for being able to uh, chat for a moment with Rather and for giving us some of the color and the highlights and the sound of the activity at the J.C.'s convention. KMOX Radio in St. Louis, 12.31 is our time as we continue live coverage of the president's visit to St. Louis. Let's switch now to Bill Wilkerson. We've been given to understand that the president has uh, stepped behind the curtain and probably is making his way out of the building. Bill, do you have any indication as to his presence at this particular moment?
3: He was asked to run for office numerous times by both parties. Hmm. So that tells you how unbiased he was. He he never let his. feelings come
2: across. Here's Hardy as he's remembered by former U.S. Representative Dick Gephardt.
12: No, he wasn't easy. He was uh, honest and candid and fair. He was uh, always objective. He didn't uh, favor one party or another, or one candidate or another. He was always just straight. And I really admired him for that. Uh, As you know, our society depends upon an independent, fair press. And uh, he was certainly the best uh, example of that that I can think of.
2: More of the work of Bob Hardy coming up next on KMOX.
0: This is a KMOX Radio special presentation.
12: My name is Rwanda, and I'm from the East St. Louis area, Mm -hmm. and I have been listening to Mr. Hardy ever since I was about 15 years old, and I will miss him every... I will really miss him because every morning I've never
3: used an alarm clock because he was my alarm clock.
12: I just absolutely love you and Bob Chase, Bob Hardy, Rex Davis. uh, Patrick Emory is just adorable, and uh, Jim White, one day I love him, next day I could choke him. But I keep <laughs> listening, and I and I do not like Jack Carney. And I and you have I uh, express appreciation, and uh, I enjoy Rex and Bob in the morning, especially that dime rhyme. <laughs> and when Bob says, "Oh, look in the sky, it's pinkening," well, I look and I really enjoy it.
1: Okay, and that okay. reminds
12: me to say, "God bless you, every one of you. Thank you."
1: Thank you.
2: Thank
6: you very much.
2: You know, this studio, I I don't know if our listeners all know, it has windows all around it and we look right out on the arch so in the morning Rex and Bob can see the sun coming up. It's beautiful. it's lovely. As you probably know, Bob Hardy made a big impact on the KMOX audience in a short amount of time.
12: I've worked for the police department for 20 years and I wake up at 5 o'clock every morning when Bob would come on and he just made my morning go so much better. I listen to the radio station all night, but, you know, off and on, I sleep and wake up. But at 5 o'clock in the morning, when Bob came off, that just made my morning. I called him my grandpa, because I have n- listened to Cam Wex ever since I was old enough to listen and understand what was going on on the radio. My mom and dad have a radio that the their dial is stuck on Cam Wex. They, <laughs> they can't even tune it to anything else, okay? And, um... So, I, I, like I said, I've grown up with Bob Hardy. I remember being five years old and 10 to 7, that morning march, come on, and him, him and Rex Davis, it might be three below zero outside, snow on the balcony, and you'd hear them come in after the march go off the air, and they'd be huffing and puffing. Were, you know, and I thought these was two old men. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, them old men ain't out there on their balcony marching around.
2: Two quick stories. First... In 1966, Bob Hardy was tasked with one of the most unique jobs in KMOX history to transfer home plate from Sportsman's Park to the new Bush Stadium with the help of the KMOX helicopter.
3: We lived at the end of a cul de sac, and so the helicopter would come over and drop down into our front yard. Daddy'd get in the helicopter and take him off to cover a story, you know, some breaking story, and then they'd bring him home. In fact, this is it, the, and the picture's in the book, when home plate, when they moved from Sportsman's Field to uh, Bush Stadium in, what was that, 65, I think it was? Dad actually carried home plate from Sportsman's Park. Those of you
15: here in the new stadium have been watching the KMOX helicopter cruise round and round. In just a few minutes, it'll be landing, bringing in the home plate, the symbolic removal of home plate this afternoon and replanting here at the new stadium. Will be achieved just a few minutes from now but very quickly let's go to bob hardy in the helicopter
13: all right jim i just want you and all the people who are in that new bush stadium right
10: below us to know that on my lap is the historic home
3: plate from the old sportsman's park to the old bush stadium or the old baseball park out on grand Avenue. because of the whole big celebration there were several hours between taking it to the new bush stadium so the helicopter landed in the fr- in our front yard over in Belleville, and home plate was sitting in our front yard in the helicopter for a couple
6: hours. <laughs> they broadcast live when they moved home base, and I think he was in the helicopter when they moved the, the home base.
15: I understand that uh, Miss St. Louis, Miss Shirley Templemeyer, will help Bob with that home plate. Quite probably, Bob Hardy is paralyzed. He's been carrying it in his lap for the last three hours in the helicopter. There he goes. He stepped out of the helicopter just now. And uh, there is Miss uh, Redbird to help him carry it. And now uh, here comes Miss Redbird. Why, that thing mustn't be as heavy as they said. She's carrying it without any difficulty at all, Jim. Or else she's a pretty strong young lady. Either that or Hardy has been trying to make us think he works harder than he really does. I think maybe that's it. He said it on the air before when I asked him about it. He said 45 to 50 pounds. Well, she's carrying it like like there's nothing to it.
3: It was just, you know, normal everyday stuff, actually. Yeah, looking back on it, it was pretty abnormal and pretty special. But at the time, it was like, oh, yeah, the helicopter's coming to get Dad again.
2: One more story. Did you know that it was Bob Hardy that discovered the big bumper, Jim White? You
10: were in your living
2: room, tuning around on the radio.
10: Well, I was about 10 years and four weeks and three days ago tonight. Uh, Bob Hardy, how are you? (laughs) And I was was getting ready to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And I was remembering what Bob Hyland had said. And he said, you know, so we sure would like to have a guy... Somebody, we we need somebody, we need somebody. And if you know of anybody, well, anyway, I was sitting on the edge of the bed, and I was dial twiddling and having my last cup of coffee before I went to sleep. And I found this strange voice coming out of the little black box. And it was a, uh, I think the guy said he was working for a radio station at Pittsburgh, KWK, I think that was uh,
13: it. Something, <laughs> well, like a- something like that, I don't remember. <laughs>
10: Anyway, we listened to this fellow for about four or five nights in a row, and I suggested to the boss that maybe he'd like to listen to him, and he did. And we put a phone call into this young fellow and said, you know, it'd be a great idea if maybe you'd come down and consider our place to go to work. And he said, well, that might not be a bad idea. And sure enough, a couple of weeks later, he came down, and about three weeks after that, he signed up with us. Now, that was ten years and four weeks and three days ago tonight. The guy's name was Jim White, and he's been with us ever since, and we're doggone proud to have him.
3: Oh. I think the story was Dad was sitting on the side of the bed one night, flipping through the uh, dial on the radio, and came across Jim in, what, Pittsburgh, I think it was, right? Right. And said, Oh, this guy sounds good. We need to talk to him. The
10: reason I came here, really, was uh, mentioned Bob Hardy was more responsible for me being here than anybody else, uh, the late Bob. Uh, I, I went into work at KDK one day, had a had a phone message hanging on the bulletin board. that said, uh, Jim White called Bob Hardy at KMOX in St. Louis, which immediately tipped everybody off. Something was going on, but, you know, he was the news director down here at the time. But I, I didn't know much about the station. I'd heard it a couple of times, and uh, uh, they flew me down here. Uh, Bob was uh, working about uh, 27 hours a day then, and... Uh, I remember he was appealing to Mr. Highland to get some help, and uh, uh, Mr. Highland said to him, well, I'm too busy. You find somebody.
16: Jim, Jim was a
3: kick. He was funny. He was so friendly. He was a great big teddy bear, and I adored him. Mom and dad had a boat on the river, and Jim and Patty had a boat on the river, and their two daughters, so I mean, we would we would see them frequently up on the river, and like I say, he was a big teddy bear, and I just adored him.
2: So, if you stayed up late enjoying KMOX After Dark, you have Bob Hardy to thank.
17: The legendary voice of St. Louis is the home of some of Mid-America's best-known personalities. This is News Talk 1120, KMOX St. Louis.
2: CBS News, I'm Bill. Well,
1: KMOX has been a part of my family ever since I can remember. From the time I got up to go to school in the morning to the time I came home.
2: I'm Ryan Recker. More of the Bob Hardy Special is coming up next on KMOX.
0: a special presentation of KMOX Radio.
17: KMOX calls itself the voice of St. Louis. If anything, that is an understatement. When we think of St. Louis, we think of the Gateway Arch, the Mississippi River, and that big brewery with the big horses. But we also think of KMOX. This station has been a driving force throughout mid-America and the nation for more years than we can count. Since ratings are a major factor in your decision-making process, it's important to point out that the Arbitron sweep ranks KMOX as number one in audience share in any major market in the nation. You can't beat that figure. But numbers alone can't tell the KMOX story. Only people can tell that story. And it's people that make this great station tick.
2: Bob Hardy was the Walter Cronkite of St. Louis. Great voice, terrific presence, simultaneously warm and welcoming, but also authoritative. He had credibility out the, out the kazoo. <laughs>
11: Bob was a, a very intense guy. Everybody there was pretty much intense. Uh, he was like the, the number one anchor, and he would read. He would go off in his little—he uh, didn't really have an office. It was kind of a cubbyhole we built for him, but uh, he would go there and read— talk to people, plan interviews, do things. Uh, He was just first class. He was uh, king of the crop.
2: Reflecting on Bob Hardy, that's KMOX legend Bob Costas and veteran newsman Bob Hamilton. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. Hardy was part of many KMOX firsts, including radio connections to foreign countries, live in abroad, When Jimmy Carter took listener questions from a
5: national audience in 1977, it was Bob Hardy who took St. Louis questions afterward. When President Bush spoke to X live from Air Force One in 1992, he spoke to Bob Hardy. X in Washington, in Moscow, in Berlin, or at the Gulf War, it was Bob Hardy's voice we heard from those places. When Newsweek this year examined the phenomenon of talk radio, it gave Bob Hardy special credit for his work in St. Louis.
2: Charlie Brennan points out the Newsweek article, The Power of Talk, published in February of 1993. They highlight such radio hosts as Larry King, Rush Limbaugh, Don Imus, Howard Stern, Bob Grant. And one of the last mentions in the article says veteran host Bob Hardy from St. Louis and Brad Davis from Hartford draw big audiences interested in consumer and community affairs. His daughter, Sandy Hardy Chin, explains one of those trips abroad.
3: Five countries, I think, in five days and ended up on Red Square, in Red Square in Russia. They went to, oh my goodness, Hung- Hungary and Poland.
2: Where... That's a big deal.
3: <laughs> yeah, it really was to be, to be broadcasting from there back to St. Louis.
11: KMOX had the first talk show, live talk show on the air, a part of at your service with Russia, Moscow. And uh, it, was, it was the first. You know, nobody had ever done it before. The Russians wouldn't allow it. And uh, he was good friends with uh, William Webster, who happened to be the head of the CIA and uh, the FBI. So he you know, had connections. He could make things work. CBS network didn't care too much about it. You know, they were more for television and everything but he was going to do the first talk show with Russia and he did and bob hardy who was one of the you know the big news people at the time was going to go over to moscow and do this talk show first though they had to go to poland to pick up their bus they had one of these big buses it was a tobacco company and uh, that was in france or something and when they got to poland the Potato farmers in Poland were striking. They would not allow traffic to go into Russia. So I got a call. I was working the overnight shift, I think, at the time. So it was like one in the morning or something. Bob Hardy or Chris Myhill or somebody with the uh, station called and said, we're stuck in in Poland. We can't get across the border because the Polish potato farmers are uh, rioting, revolting. So I went in and told – Robert Highland was at work. It was, you know, 1 in the morning, so he was at the office. And I went in and I told him, uh, we have a, a problem. The Polish potato farmers are holding up the bus. I said that that's the bad news. The good news is that Bob Hardy is not on, on the bus. He stayed in wherever they were in uh, Europe. And uh, he was going to go on later, fly or something. And uh, Robert Hyland said, mm, I'll take care of that. And he did. <laughs> Moscow time is 6 p.m.
10: В эфире прямая
9: передача
10: This is a direct line, Moscow, to St. Louis, KMOX.
9: Good evening, Moscow. Good
10: morning, St. Louis. The radio will connect not only Moscow and St. Louis, but the microphones are right in the center of Moscow on Red Square, just outside the Kremlin. And uh, the crew from KMOX, Bob Hardy and his crew, came here last night at Shidimetsyvo, or this morning. And uh, they are
17: all on Red Square.
10: So, welcome. Ah, Titania, thank you so much. And it is so great to finally meet you face-to-face. To To our St. Louis audience, I will tell you that... uh, Red Square, for all intents and purposes, is about to be closed. The, uh, the military and the people of the city are preparing for a big operation that we know about. Uh, it'll be May 1st, and there's another one that comes uh, shortly thereafter, a couple of weeks. Bob was the voice of Radio Bridge on our side of the world. The two-way street to then the Soviet Union. And the person on the other end of the line who was the person who set up all of this with Radio Moscow, Sergei Gorichov. And I asked Sergey, would you please share some thoughts on Bob
9: Hardy? Yes, Karen, I tell you, we were, I think, I think we were very close. It, it, at least I considered, uh, I considered myself a friend of Bob, although he was much older, but sometimes, sometimes, when we talked, it looked like we were of the same age, like we were friendly, uh, friends of, of the same age. And sometimes it was like he was my father. So it was different all the time. Uh, yeah, we did. I remember, I remember him being uh, at the Red Square. Uh, I think that some of the listeners, St. Louis, may remember that uh, historic broadcast of KMX from Moscow, from the Red Square. And I have this photograph of Bob with his microphone, he's, he's holding his microphone like a violin, uh, Radio and KMOX was his life, and uh, he, he, he devoted his life to this, and he was th- very happy at that moment, standing at the red square and broadcasting to his uh, listeners at KMOX. That was a few years ago, a lot of things changed since that time.
2: Things do change. More of the Bob Hardy special coming up next on KMOX.
0: This is a special presentation from KMOX Radio.
2: I'm your host, Ryan Recker. Bob Hardy would open the world to St. Louis, and he would often call upon guests from other countries to learn more about their lifestyles and ideas.
3: He also did, they did broadcasts with uh, people with a 4G radio in um, Australia. And that was, that was going on for a long time.
2: One such night included a live connection to Japan. 1208, I'm Charlie Brown, KMOX Radio News. Back to our link with Japan, here's
4: Bob Hardy. All right, Charlie, thank you very much. Jeff Berglin you on the line with us from Osaka? Yes,
9: I'm here. All
4: right, let me put a can question. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Let's put okay. a question to you from one of our listeners. Go ahead, please. You're on the air with okay. Osaka.
9: Hi, Bob. Um, I'd like to commend KMOX for providing this link. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, in the United States, Japanese products are uh, considered uh, a more of a luxury. And uh, I'd like to find out, first of all, how uh, American products fare against Japanese products in Japan. And secondly, I'd like to know how uh, Japanese uh, uh, families spend their uh, outside entertainment as opposed to movies and things of that nature.
4: All right, fine. Can you help us with that, Jeff?
9: Okay, first of all, um, not only American products, but any product that has English style writing, French, German, Italian, European products, are considered luxury goods. So a lot of products over here will sell for more than the uh, same product we sell for in the United States simply because it has a lot of English writing.
4: All right, I'll tell you what, you may communicate with us heart to heart, but uh, one of our uh, favorite young broadcasters has just strolled into the studio, and I probably. Uh, I would assume you probably recognize the name of bob costas robert good to have you with us
2: bob good to see you i don't know if i would be recognized in japan or not although increasingly uh, broadcasts of american sporting events are carried on satellite around the world i've been in europe uh, several times this summer uh-huh. and american baseball games football games were carried in berlin and in london and i know that baseball is tremendously popular in japan he's
4: one of our uh, premier uh, sports broadcasters baseball football basketball you name it and uh, he lives here in st louis and he just wanted to say hello to you uh bondo bob do you know bondo have you uh have you ever looked back over his baseball history
2: uh no i haven't so i'm as equally unfamiliar with him as he is with me so we start out on equal ground but the common ground would be baseball because it is the national game of japan as well as of the United States, and many American players, former American players, are performing now in Japan. And maybe he could give. In further connections to Moscow, including this one, which was live on C SPAN with Senator John Danforth of Missouri and Senator Paul Simon of Illinois.
3: In January of 1989, KMOX began a monthly exchange with Moscow Radio, in which listeners from St. Louis can talk to a host in Moscow and vice versa. The programs feature hosts in each studio with guests and translators and are broadcast throughout the soviet union today's show will feature one hour of the soviet simulcast and then will continue with the local st louis show the host for today's show is bob hardy who co-anchors the kmox morning news program called total information am the show airs every weekday from 5 to 9 a.m and then Mr. Hardy interviews various personalities for his newsmaker's hour from 9 to 10. I think
4: the what uh, the gentleman is saying, what lies at the heart of his question was that uh, there have been concessions made by Mr. Gorbachev, as well as concessions made by the United States. And those concessions on both sides ought to be fully recognized rather than to have uh, third parties uh, take shots at them. What do you feel? Translation began, gentlemen.
1: It's awfully quiet over there. I can breathe louder. (laughs) 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 Thanks, Nick.
6: It
13: was a great experience. Thank
4: you very much, Bob. Thank Thank you, Bob. Jack Danforth, Senator John Danforth. I'm sorry, I have to be more formal with the television camera in here. And Senator Paul Simon. They've been our guests here this morning. Now,
13: uh, f- first of all, I can just comment on something uh, that you don't want me to comment on and that is your professionalism, Bob. as sure, I can tell it- of listeners of KMOX, I get on calling programs, uh, Pittsburgh, New York, Los Angeles. There's no better talk show host in the nation than Bob Hardy.
4: I'm Bob Hardy, in this hour, a bit more in the way of continuation the evaluation of last night's activity over at uh, Washington University. Tom DeFrank, senior White House correspondent for Newsweek magazine, who is a regular guest of ours here, is in the studio today. We'll spend a little time with him. We also, Tom, uh, plan to spend time with representatives of uh, Mr. Bush, Mr. Clinton, Mr. Perot. I said last night as we walked out of the field house that we know what we saw, we know what we heard, now we'll have to give the spin doctors time and see what they say. And we intended to do
2: that, so we'll hear... Hardy loved KMOX, in St. Louis loved Hardy. Producer, Kate Bacon.
16: I always thought Bob was the Rodney Dangerfield of KMOX. He never really got the respect or the attention I believe he deserved. And quite frankly, he may not have actually wanted it. I never thought of that until just now. But Bob did amazing things and everybody else seemed to get the me the you know the other media spotlight and maybe that was by choice i don't know
7: bob hardy was a real gentleman and a very nice guy a real newsman kind of like was a local walter cronkite couldn't have been friendlier in the hallway um was it was a square in a good way i say that in a positive way you know he's and uh he he was just um a good interviewer, had a really distinct sound, never ruffled feathers.
17: Yeah, he's another person that I love to watch work and, you know, so professional. And, uh, I mean, just the way he carried himself and the way he dressed, a crisp white shirt and
2: beautiful tie. And he just had the I mean, he could hold a presidential press conference. I mean, literally, I, I think he had done it. That's former KMOX sales manager Clint Hasse. Now, producer Chris Myhill.
6: You know, in the early 80s, I think I probably met him in 81, 80, 81. It was the cool guy, you know? and But not just the cool guy. He was news.
4: Del Hollenberg and Jack Musterman, are, uh, a couple of the gentlemen who are heading this detail out here at the uh, far end of Ferguson Lane. Uh, Jack, what's the situation? What kind of turnout did you get from the request this morning for volunteers? Well, we got
12: a terrific turnout in the last hour or two. I guess we must have got... 300 people or so out here.
4: Just
6: the way he delivered news,
4: his voice. What are the problems of the big city? How much money is it going to take to rebuild them, if indeed we should rebuild them? Are they worth saving? These are questions we've asked over and over again. Amongst ourselves, questions we've asked of party leaders and both sides of the political fence, questions for which we would like some answers.
6: It was suddenly, when you turned on radio and you heard Bob Hardy, it was like, uh-oh, this is news This is important. I have to tune in. And
4: back on At Your Service, we check in now with Bill Green of uh, Rockwell International. Bill, how are things going down in Houston? Uh,
13: Just fine. The uh, Soyuz Cosmonauts have just opened the hatch uh, in the orbital module, and right now we're getting a television picture of the two astronauts. uh... Uh
4: Uh-huh. So we're just a few minutes away then.
13: Right. We're getting very close now. I
4: understand the governments of uh, the Soviet Union and the United States are going to be talking, presumably Um... and Ford, huh? right,
3: uh, the honesty and the truth in telling the story and humility, whether you're on the air or off the air, you can be a celebrity, but not act like one. And so those were all very important things to him. Oh, he
16: liked to interview the East Coast decision makers. We talked to Across the two years, we talked to President Carter. I actually had his, you know, hotline number in his studio or in his office in Plains. He liked to talk to. We talked to all those opinion makers that you hear about today: George Will and and Tom Friedman, and and they were they were known, but not like they are today. So. Uh, Mr. Highland and Judy and you know, a lady named Peggy were really good at lining up folks who really, you know, made an impact. He loved that. I've had this discussion with a
3: lot of friends who who knew him and um, even people who didn't know him. I think he'd probably be rolling over in his grave <laughs> with the way the way the, the media is today. There are a few places you can you can get an honest line of stories, all the information that, that is out there. But I, I think he'd be very disappointed with where the industry has gone.
2: Many remember Bob Hardy for his work with Bill Wilkerson and Wendy Weiss, which we'll look at next on this KMOX radio special.
1: Hi,
4: I'm Bob Hardy, co-host of Total Information here on KMOX Radio in St. Louis. We hit the air every morning from 5.30 to 9 with news, weather, sports, time, temperature, traffic, all the things that somebody might need to get a morning going except the coffee. We have to make that ourselves.
15: You know, one of the real joys of working at KMOX is the ability to do a number of different things. For instance, I co-host the Total Information AM with Bob Hardy, which is comprised of news, sports, weather in the morning, and also get a chance to do play-by-play on Missouri University football and St. Louis Cardinal football in addition to the sports open line. So on KMOX Radio, you get a wide range of experience, and all of it's a lot of fun because when you're number one, it's always fun kmox radio in st louis total information total sports
6: this is KMOX's bob was all business bill loved sports and wendy was kind of the mediator uh, of the three the jokester so i think it was i would say bill and wendy were kind of a more of the jokesters and bob was all news
2: that's kmox producer chris myhill when many people think of bob hardy they think of bob Bill and Wendy.
3: Yeah, Wendy and Bill, and oh, that was the big three on the morning show. Was Wendy and Bill Wilkerson and Dad, and, and they Weiss, were yeah. all ten years apart age-wise, and so you got a very diverse ideas on many things.
2: That's Hardy's daughter Sandy. Now, Bill Wilkerson and Wendy Weiss. Well, it was Bob Hardy, and I think
15: Rex Davis, and who, who else was it? Wendy at that time.
14: Well, it was it was. It was Bob and Rex. Rex had retired a couple of times and then come out of retirement a couple of times. I can't remember who was doing sports at, at that bef- and before. And for a you. brief
15: moment, John McCormick had done a little bit in the morning. So he was looking for a morning guy, but that that didn't register well, Jim with Jim Butler,
14: yeah, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. had done. Yeah. So
15: uh, he said, uh, what do you think about doing the morning show? I, I said, you mean waking up at 5 and actually be? He said, yeah,
14: that. He was just he he was such a warm blanket you know we always talked about that his voice was unlike anything you it was like a fuzzy robe and slippers and even if something was really you know if something ominous was going on in the world Bob had a a way of making you feel like, hey, everything's going to be fine. You know, if the arch fell in the river, we always joked, he would somehow make that seem fine. Everything was going to be okay because Bob Hardy was in the chair.
4: That's the sound of KMOX Radio's At Your Service, the granddaddy of all information programs in the entire broadcast industry. For thousands of listeners, this is the program that is synonymous with the fourth element of KMOX programming,
10: Information. Good morning to you. From Total Information, I'm Bob Hardy. I'm Bill Wilkerson. And
14: I'm Wendy Weiss. High cloudiness and mild this morning, turning considerably cloudy this afternoon. Warm temperatures will have a high today in the mid-80s. 69 degrees at Lambert Field.
15: How do you wake up? By an alarm clock or naturally? <laughs> this survey here in USA Snapshot says 54% of the people wake up by an alarm or clock radio. 39% wake up naturally, and 5% need several alarms. <laughs> I have a little alarm clock that I want to throw against it's the wall. wall, but you need it. I need it. My
14: yes. husband needs a civil defense siren.
15: But you know, rain and storms and that sort of thing don't bother me at night. Mm-hmm. I can wake up, we're going to be floating down the street, <laughs> and I have no clue <laughs> as what's taking place. And there's the that alarm But do you see the clock that you can sit by your bed and it focuses the time in big letters up on your ceiling. We have one of those. You have one of those?
10: Absolutely. Greatest thing in the world. <laughs> is it? hmm
14: uh. On the ceiling.
10: Oh, that's right.
14: I want to hear more about this ceiling.
10: It's sure. a very simple little device.
15: That's mm-hmm. yeah, fascinating.
10: She is really sick today. The news in a minute.
15: But I must tell you, initially, he asked me, who is this girl? Why is he giving us a girl? I didn't know what to say. Yeah, you know, because I
14: had been in the newsroom for what? About, I think about yeah. two months. I mean, he, he was—he
15: was—he uh, was Mr. Man.
14: Oh yeah. You're going to put a
15: girl on his show. A girl. <laughs> a, girl a girl on his yeah. show, and I thought, Bob, I don't know, I have never met her, but she's going to be on the show, so get with it. He knew me from the newsroom.
14: It wasn't like he hadn't, you know, laid eyes on me before. But I think he was surprised that I went from doing the hourly newscast. Ah, uh, anchoring the, the hourly newscast and doing some fill-in at your service on Fridays or Saturday during the days. I worked with Zipporah Zeppa and uh, I remember when Joe Buck was just uh, like 11 years old, coming <laughs> in with Jack and working on his, you know, his his delivery.
15: Bob lived in the country. I lived in the city. Bob's white. I'm black. Uh, Bob, but Bob was an Air Force veteran, and I love airplanes so we always had something to talk about because i absolutely loved airplanes
14: one of the proudest moments of my life it was about i think it was about a month after i started and we were in the lobby meeting a client or somebody and bob referred to me as his partner and oh. that was that was pretty amazing when
17: the sun comes up over the arch every morning most people start the day with the area's most popular wake up team bob hardy and Bill Wilkerson. Their total information program combines news, weather, sports, helicopter traffic reports, and lively feature information. And it is far and away the most popular morning drive time program in the St. Louis area. It almost
2: makes waking up a pleasure. In 1990, 30 years after joining KMOX, Bob Hardy suffered a stroke, which threatened his broadcast career.
3: After his stroke, He came back to work after I think it was four weeks. He still wasn't quite talking correctly. He was still having some issues with forming words and everything. But uh, he came back to work and laid down in the app or, you know, between shows and stuff. uh, They put a little cot in the somewhere in the newsroom, I guess, for him. They
6: brought in a mattress that he was supposed to, after his morning shift, that he was supposed to go rest for an hour or so before he did the newsmaker's show at noon. And he did. And I think it did help. But here's a guy who had a stroke. He's at work at 4.30 in the morning doing a very stressful morning show. And yet at the end of it, he waits two or three hours and preps for his next show. That's unbelievable. You don't, you don't see that anywhere today.
3: But the reason he wanted to come back was to show other people that just, just because you have a stroke doesn't mean it's the end of your life and the end of what you want to do. And, He wanted to come back to
5: work. Hardy credited the late Robert Highland with compassion and caring after Hardy's illness in 1990.
4: When I had a stroke last year, he called my wife, Ree, and he said, don't worry. I'll get him the best doctor and the best treatment in the country. And he did. And he said to Ree, don't worry about time off, time to recover. We'll manage until Bob gets back. And when I did come back, he was supportive. He overlooked the sometimes still slurred speech. He brought in a blow-up mattress, had Helen Campbell go out and buy one. He vacated an office and he insisted I take a one-hour nap every morning between total information, which ended at 8:30, and news block which began at 11.
6: When he had a stroke, I went and visited him in, uh, he was at St. John's, and his room was facing Highway 270, and he was looking at the traffic going north and south, and it was probably in the afternoon, so it was kind of rush hour, it was very busy, and he just, I remember him saying, I thought when I was no longer on KMOX that everything would end, and he just kind of paused and looked at the traffic, and he said, life goes on, even without me.
2: We'll continue for one last segment remembering the work of Bob Hardy next on KMOX.
0: The following is a special presentation from KMOX.
10: All those people that we've had on the air, where did they... Those
6: far away places...
2: With a strange sounding
10: name In my mind, Bob Hardy was Mr. Radio News in this community. He was an individual of immense intelligence, of objectivity, and I feel that uh, this entire community has really lost a good, constructive friend.
16: It was just like somebody had drained us all of any any joy or excitement. True professionals, and these people were total professionals. Quite frankly, I have worked in television and and worked with top talent, but never a group like KMOX for professionalism.
13: Uh, The relentless pursuit of a news story and uh, scrupulously honest about uh, reporting whatever he saw or heard. Uh, I have always been a
2: great admirer of Bob Hardy. You just heard from former St. Louis County Executive Lawrence Ruse, also Don Miller and Kate Bacon. Thanks for listening to this Bob Hardy radio documentary. If you've enjoyed this, share it with a friend, or you can find some of my other radio documentaries on Mr. Robert Highland, Jim White, and Keith, among other KMOX special memories. You can find those at KMOX.com or search for them wherever you get your podcasts. We continue with this Bob Hardy radio retrospective on KMOX.
3: He had a genetically diseased heart and he died of a massive heart attack. So it's, you know, I, I, and I don't mean it like, so, you know, we, we knew the family knew. Um, I don't think too many other people knew that, that he had these issues.
6: Yeah. He never mentioned it to us. Um, I mean, maybe he did privately to Bill or Wendy. Um, He was a smoker, but You know, back then, everybody, well, not everybody, a lot of people smoked. So I'm sure that was probably a contributing factor. Bob Hardy
2: suffered a fatal heart attack on Sunday, April 18th, 1993, one day after his 33rd year anniversary with KMOX.
3: He had a massive heart attack. He was out mowing the lawn with a push mower, just doing some trimming and which you were never going to get him not to do stuff like that yeah he had a massive heart attack uh, as i mentioned before i think he had had a stroke so they knew that there were some some
8: issues one sunday i received a phone call and 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 unfortunately bob was working out in his yard and and had uh, had died and mm. had a heart attack and and had passed away in his early 60s and it was just a, a horrible horrible thing for st louis and and uh, certainly for his great family and our family of listeners at KMOX.
6: It was like losing one of the pillars, you know, of the station. I mean, these were legendary f- figures and to lose them within such a short time, um, it it kind of shook us. But I think we also realized, you know, this this is uh, we're, we're just uh, keepers of the lighthouse. You know, someone else will keep. The light burning even when we're gone
15: so we really became we were these two strangers you know odd buddies but uh, i just i was enamored with him you know he became a very best friend
6: oh he was a, the guy he was the senior guy i mean he was the, kind of like the town elder you know if you had any questions you'd go to, to bob he was absolutely the leader
16: the broadcasting hall of fame should have a whole a whole not wing but a whole big display of just the KMOX what they did and how they did it and who made it work. Where else would he have done it? Mm, I don't know. I know that
3: he was asked to go to uh, New York city numerous times. And he always said he'd rather be a big fish in a little pond than a little fish in a big pond. (laughs) But he, he did say that, but it was also, again, he, he was concerned about family and raising his family in New York city. And that was probably the biggest thing that, that kept him from going there. But he was perfectly happy where he was. I don't think there was ever a time that that he thought about going to any other city, any other
16: station, anything. He loved where he was. Bob was kind of a hidden gem. He took a back seat, but he was really a foundation. He was a foundational element of KMOX. And I know that KMOX was very important in the sports world. And it still is, in my opinion, because anybody who has the Cardinals, yay team. But Bob really set a lot of that foundation. And he also was big on making sure it was right.
2: I asked Sandy Hardy Chin, how should we remember your father, Bob Hardy?
3: As a humble, family-oriented, very talented man who his thing in life was to give back. Um, he, he gave back so much through, through giving all of his speeches, through the Shriners that he was so such a big part of. While
1: here, Bob won awards for more than 50 professional civic and service groups. A special series of broadcasts from the Eastern Bloc Nations when the Iron Curtain fell brought Bob and KMOX a national headliner award. Bob was active in the Shrine and served as Imperial Potentate of the Einod Temple in 1976. He worked hard for the Scott Air Force Base Auxiliary, the USO, and Shriners Hospital for Crippled Children. He was a writer, a golfer, a boater, a beekeeper, a musician, a husband, a father, a friend, and a first-rate broadcast journalist.
14: We, saw, we were the planets that were in his orbit, but he was, he he was, was the center. The sun. Yes, he was indeed the sun.
1: I thank you
5: for coming to our event. And now it's my pleasure to introduce someone who you well know,
10: Mr. Bob Hardy of KMYX Radio. Bob.
16: You know how there's a feeling in a newsroom and we all go out and we have martinis after the thing and we go, wow, that was a story about you know how you that well, Bob didn't do that. Bob really liked his family, and Bob liked going home to Ray, his wife. And he, I, he, I don't know if he actually had a real farm or a truck farm. And I know they're the same, but different, but he really loved getting away from the city. That was important.
6: He loved skiing and he loved going to park city. He ended up buying a, a condo out there and I'd always remember him before he'd go skiing. He would, you'd see him in the studio. He'd start doing some squats and doing some exercises. And he always said, well, we're, we're going to park city in three weeks. I got to get in shape. I got to go out there. And I just loved it. You know, in, in in commercials, he'd be doing squats or doing whatever. He's just like, I got to get the legs ready. And that's, that's what I loved about him. He,
3: he loved where we, where we are right now, which is park city, Utah. He and my mom bought this place out here in 1987, which was six years before he died. And every winter he came out and skied before 1987, he had not skied since he had been in high school he absolutely loved it so when I'm out on the slopes I do hear you know I do hear his voice and it's like oh, I'm, I'm you know he's I'm sure he's still he's happy that we still have this place and we still come out here and enjoy it with our families now and yeah I hear his voice not as much as I would like to <laughs>
2: I hope you enjoyed this Bob Hardy retrospective. I'm Ryan Recker. Thanks for listening.
6: Oh, he drove a baby blue Corvette convertible with the top down, and you'd see him pulling in at 415, 430. And it was just like, wow, here is nobody on the road, but a convertible with the top down. Here comes Bob Hardy to work. And it's just, it was like the epitome of cool, of a cool news guy showing up.